Welcome everyone to our chapter on diving into triggers and uncomfortable emotions. Danielle, I think when it comes to just talking about our mindset, our mental health, our thoughts, one thing that many of us struggle with the most in that is when things get uncomfortable, when we're feeling triggered, when we're feeling all of the, the unpleasant emotions. So I'll start by asking you, why talking about uncomfortable emotions is so important to our mental health? Because I think there's maybe a little bit of a misnomer that mental health equals only the pleasant emotions, right? And for a long time, none of us had really any education or tools around unpleasant emotions. And especially with recent years, I think many of us are like, oh, it might actually be important to know what to do with these. So in your professional experience, um, why, why is it so important to be able to work with our uncomfortable emotions when it comes to our mental health? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I want to just emphasize and really be clear that the fact that you're calling them unpleasant and uncomfortable emotions yeah. is so important. I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as a bad emotion. Um, all emotions have value, even when they're incredibly painful. You know, if I walk up and punch you in the face, the healthiest response is for you to feel afraid and to feel angry because I've crossed a physical boundary and I've threatened your safety. And so um, really changing our language because language is so very powerful around this is an uncomfortable emotion. This is a negative emotion or not a negative emotion, um, an unpleasant emotion versus I feel bad. You know, so naming our emotions is going to be really important because what is bad? You know, I feel hurt. I feel alone. I feel afraid. Even using that language of I feel versus I am, because that's going to give you some space to allow other things to exist. I, I feel really anxious and really overwhelmed. And also I feel really grateful that I have this friend that I can talk to, or I'm really grateful that the barista knew my coffee order because I just didn't have the bandwidth to remember today you know, little things like that, but there's so much value in our uncomfortable emotions. If we can, if we can turn towards them, um, because they're all pulled from the same well. So if we numb or attempt to numb our ability to feel unpleasant emotions, we're actually numbing our ability to feel pleasant emotions as well. Our brains are not so complex that we can pick and choose what we're available for and what we're not. And so if we're signing up for the full experience of aliveness, that's going to come with uncomfortable and comfortable emotions. Fantastic. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, the language is so important, right? Um, I always think about how we grow up getting sent to our room if we're showing the bad emotions and then we get praised if we show the good emotions and that translates into most of our adult lives too right now right you find yourself feeling alone or being talked to like you're a problem that should be solved if you're in the uncomfortable emotions versus when we feel the the glossy shiny emotions and we feel like we can get on social media and show stories of it and we amass all of these like likes and encouragement. And it's uh, so important to, to dive into what's been internalized around, around our emotions and to expand the spectrum. Um, so without going further into my tangent, let's talk about some more tangible characteristics. What, what is the difference between working through those painful, uncomfortable emotions in a healthy way versus an unhealthy way? 
Sure. So then again, this is going to be something that's kind of subjective. Um, I really like to stay away from sort of kind of binary thinking around like you're good, you're bad, you're healthy, you're unhealthy. And so naming an emotion is going to be a great way to start. You don't even have to share it with anyone else. Just naming it for yourself can be just a lovely place of acknowledging. Oftentimes, if we're feeling really activated around something, just identifying how we feel is going to help settle our nervous little or our nervous system a little bit because we're starting to make a little bit more sense to ourselves. Um, so unhealthier um, coping strategies around emotions, and I'm calling them unhealthy because often they're going to start impairing your functioning is pretending we're okay 100% of the time. We're definitely not. Um, stuffing down our emotions or constantly distracting from our emotions. A lot of times when people distract for a very long time away from their emotional experience, they find that they have increased anxiety because they're feeling really disconnected from themselves. And that's really hard to move through the world when you're really disconnected from your own experience. And so things that help you lean and move towards your emotions. And what the hell does that even mean? It means naming it. It means um, being curious around it. I think one of the things that blocks us most often from being with our emotions is we get stuck in our secondary emotional experience, which is how we feel about how we're feeling. So that's kind of where distress lives. I am so pissed at myself that I'm sad again. Why do I let my supervisor get to me like this? You know, they're going to be how they're going to be. Why am I so sensitive? What's wrong with me? Cue shame spiral. If we could be curious about it, what if it were okay to feel how I'm feeling right now? And is there any valuable information in how I'm feeling right now? Then there's still maybe some suffering involved, but we're not increasing our suffering by telling a, a story about how terrible we are because we feel a certain way. I love always that question um, that I think I first learned from you, Danielle, around just asking how our experience might change if it were okay to feel the emotion. Um, such a powerful, powerful question, especially around really tuning into ourselves and what we need again. So when it comes to these emotions that can be painful, um, a lot of times the step one, I guess, I think of awareness is figuring out when that emotion is triggered and where it starts. Um, I think the word trigger has entered popular vocabulary more and more in recent years, but still a lot of us don't actually have full education around exactly what a trigger is. So would you mind spending a little time sharing your expertise on how you would define a trigger or a triggering event and how we even begin to identify when we're feeling triggered in the moment too? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is going to be another beautiful time to check in with your body. If, um, if the response is feeling bigger than the situation, then there's a good chance that you're feeling some sort of emotional trigger. Also, when I say bigger than the, the situation, it might be my emotional response is at a 100 when the situation seems like a five, or I am completely numbed out right now when this seems like a pretty intense situation. So um, we can kind of go in either, either direction around that. We're feeling something really, really big and deep. And um, it's like a visceral experience or we don't feel any, anything at all. And, and everything's just kind of gone black. Um, Resto Menachem uh, has a quote that says, if it feels hysterical, it's probably historical. 
And I think that's such a beautiful conceptualization of triggers. If it's like, I walk in and I see my kid's shoes like in the hallway and I kick them and I lose my damn mind. This is clearly not about the shoes. This is clearly either some residual emotions from something else or the story that I'm telling about what's happening right now is causing me to spiral into something much bigger than what the situation calls for. The thing that we don't necessarily want to do in a moment where we're feeling triggered is minimize it. Um, we can make room for other things to exist, but we don't want to sort of shut ourselves up because that reaction is telling you something like we've touched on something here that's very unresolved. And so um, I would also say, because it's gotten so popular, don't be throwing around triggers. Don't be triggered me. I'm triggered. Like it's a real trauma response for a lot of people. And so to sort of flippantly throw it around or to use it to be manipulative is not cool. Um, and so taking responsibility for your own emotional experience, if you're feeling triggered around something, that's okay. You can name that. You, you don't even have to know why in the moment you can say, okay, um, I am having a huge response right now. <laughs> I need to pause this conversation because I am noticing I am enraged right now. And it doesn't fully make sense to me. Let me take some time to take care of myself. And then can we revisit this in a few hours or can we revisit this tomorrow? I think that's such an important point of learning for so many of us, whether we've done some of this work for ourselves or not to be reminded that um, when we're feeling triggered, that even if there is an external source that maybe was involved in the trigger, that ultimately we have the agency and the responsibility to figure out what we need and, and set those boundaries and, and ask for those needs to be met along those lines, knowing that for many of us, when we're triggered, we will have either other people present, whether it's teammates or, or people in our home life. Do you have any recommendations around how we communicate that, how we move through it? Um, Cause I think for a lot of us, right. Like myself included, when you feel triggered, you have like an ideal state of like how you are going to respond and be like, okay, I identified that I'm triggered. I just need a little space. You don't have the language, but a lot of times you just get hot and freaked out and get snippy. Exactly. So any thoughts on, again, probably not needing it to be perfect, but just uh, words of advice or um, support as it comes to, okay, we're feeling triggered. How do we move through it? What do we do if it's not perfect? Um, what words or phrases can we even use? Yeah, no. If you notice that you are physically getting activated, um, ideally you want to notice those early warning signs so that you can pause and you can regulate your nervous system before you get kind of to the point of no control or to the point where you're seeing red. Um, so if you notice that your your voice is raising or you're noticing a lot of constriction in your body or you're either kind of curling up or you find that you're making yourself really big. Those are all going to be signs of like, this is escalating. Um, I am a huge fan of pausing, just being like, Ooh, we're not being productive right now. Or I know you're apologizing and I absolutely cannot hear it right now because I'm still so hurt. So let's pause this conversation. Um, I, and I need a moment or let's eat, just separate for a little bit and see if we can come back to it. Worst case scenario, scenario in a triggering moment, you see some really ugly things, you hurt some feelings, and then you repair it. 
once you are more regulated, you know, the, his, like if you are with in relationship with somebody long enough, you will rupture and repair over and over and over again. And so maybe what that language looks like is I felt so hurt and so angry when I heard you say this. However, it was not okay for me to say the things that I said. And I do apologize. Um, and I want to repair this with you. And can we try this talk again? Fantastic. Um, especially pulling the, the quote you just shared about um, if it, if you feel hysterical, there's, it's probably historical. Um, let's dig into that a little bit. Knowing that many of our triggers are probably rooted in something that was a past experience, a, a past trauma even. Um, how can we begin taking inventory of, of some of those triggers? And, and why would you say it's so important within our mental health work to actually do that work to understand where those historical patterns lie and what specifically they are. Yeah. So um, ideally, if you can do this, clearly I have a bias, but ideally if you can do this in the context of therapy, it's going to be really helpful because you're going to have somebody not too close to the situation, be able to share observations. Ooh, I notice every time you talk about your sister, you're gripping your chair and your voice gets really high and you sort of escalate with pause, check in with your body right now. What are you noticing? Oh, I feel this, I feel this, I notice this. Ah, that's right. She always sees to, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, ways that you can do that on your own. Again, when we're reflecting on something, if we can offer ourselves some self-compassion, um, we tend to be the most critical of ourselves. Um, everyone deserves, you know, grace or the benefit of the doubt or whatever it is, but I am the exception to the rule. I don't deserve any of that shit. I'm going to be terrible to myself because if I'm terrible enough to myself, I'll be better. Never works. Our, our nervous system literally registers self-criticism as a threat. So what it's actually going to do is put you into a stress response and make it a lot harder for you to even have the thinking ability to move through whatever comes next. So if we can look back with curiosity, there's so much information in our relational kind of conflicts or our mistakes or the times where we were just next level rude. <laughs> can be like, okay, that seemed bigger than the situation, but can I be curious about that? Or do I notice that I feel that way around the same people or in similar you know, situations? If you're curious, you may notice, oh, I have an issue with male authority. Okay, I don't even have to know why I have an issue with that yet, but I do know anytime that I am going to talk to my male supervisor, I need to be a lot more mindful about staying grounded and staying regulated and letting my historical stuff stay historical so that I can kind of move through these moments by the way I choose versus just reacting. Fantastic. Thank you, Danielle. Well, as we wrap up this chapter, I just want to thank you for spending the time with us here, Danielle, I, I think especially in the last few years, um, as we're in this unique place where we're all kind of globally going through times of challenge and, and more pain together, uh, that it's so beneficial to be able to start to learn not only how to face the 
uncomfortable emotions, but to really welcome them and work with them. Um, So thank you for that. And for all of you joining us, this is just one chapter on triggers and uncomfortable emotions. If you want to dive in deeper, we actually have an entire journey dedicated to getting through the tougher feeling emotions and tougher times. That's in our very last journey where Danielle's going to join us again. For now, we're going to move into our next chapter on what it looks like to work with a professional when it comes to your mindset and mental health. We'll see you soon.